The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a uh, workshop on soul care, and one of the comments that was made is never judge another's journey. And we went to discuss it with the person next to us. And I'm having this conversation with this guy. I'd never met him before. And um, when he finished, I said, I like what you said. He said, what did I say? (laughs) What was it that stood out? And I said, well, you used two different words there. One is never judge another's journey. But I said, you also talked about grieving another's journey. And I said, I like the difference there. Because we can look at another's journey and, and, and decide something about them and about their journey. But when we grieve something, it causes us to go to our knees, it causes us to weep, it causes us to pray, it causes us to fast. And uh, that's different. And so when I think of, as I say, young Rebecca, who is a 10-year-old rejected God, who I can imagine her family would have been, I pray, they would have been grieving that journey she was on. Um, on Wednesday, we sang that song at um, Rob's funeral. And it's easier to sit back and judge another's journey. But when we grieve it, when we sit and listen, we see God's goodness throughout that. I wonder what anyone looking on at Abraham's journey wondered about him at times. This is our great hero, our great father of the faith. We've been looking at the uh, revelation, the growing revelation of God's call on Abraham's life. And we touched last week, there was Ur, where God called him to simply leave and go. There was nothing more to it than that, leave and go. And then in Haran, it was, I will make you into a great nation. Then in Canaan, it was, to your offspring, I will give this land. Each step of the way, there was a, a growing sense of revelation of what God was doing in and through Abraham's life. And uh, when he got back to Canaan after being in Egypt, it was all the land that you see, I will give to you. Not just this land, because Abraham could have been standing there going, how much of this land? And God goes, all that you can see. And how many offspring? Like the dust of the earth. And then after the rescue of Lot, it was, there will be a son who is after your own flesh and blood. The, 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 the promise, the, the covenant is emerging. And your offspring will be like the stars in the sky. And then two weeks ago, as we looked at the birth of Ishmael and the promise that there would be descendants too numerous to count. And then last week, Abraham was given a new name. He's given the name Abraham because you will be the father of not just a great nation, you'll be the father of many nations. And so we see the story continuing to unfold. And this morning we pick it up in the second half of chapter 17 and God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of all nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael would live under your blessing. And then God said, yes, but 
your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you are to call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful, greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born into his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and he circumcised them as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. And so the covenant is sealed. A sign. Not the covenant itself, but a sign. This circumcision would be a daily reminder of God's purposes and plans for Abraham and his descendants. But it also came as a reminder because God said, and I will be your God. That's just not about who God will be. That's an expectation placed up. If God is your God, that changes everything. And this week, Sarai becomes Sarah. Up until now, her name was Sarah, which means my princess. And as a father of two daughters, I can understand when one of your little girls is born, you want to call her my princess. But Sarah is no longer my princess. It simply means princess. And from her kings of peoples will come. She is no longer her father's little girl. She now belongs to the world. It's through Abraham and Sarah that God will bless the world. Last week I commented on Abraham's response. So when God spoke, he fell face down and he I talked about how that was such a sign of honour and worship and respect. But this week he doesn't just fall face down, he falls face down and laughs. And I was going to find the little emoji, you know, rolling on the floor laughing. I could just kind of imagine Abraham going, really? One commentator suggested this laughter was simply joy, that finally he was going to have a son, but I find that kind of hard to comprehend because... Abraham says, but, and he says it to himself, so these are doubts. When you talk to yourself, these are doubts. He says, will a son be more born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Then he says to God, if only Ishmael would live under your blessing. Those sound to me like doubts. I can't imagine that Abraham's going, Oh yeah, this is great. Have a good laugh. Cause... Now we might be tempted to think that back in those days everyone lived a long time and so maybe a woman at 90 having a baby back then wasn't quite as unreal as it might be today or a man at 100 conceiving a child. And to a degree you might be right, but 
Sarah will only live to 124. And when the writer of the Hebrews in the New Testament is recalling this story, among the great heroes of the faith, he says, and by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she was considered, because she, because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. That's a bit harsh. Sarah was past childbearing age and Abraham was as good as dead. The Apostle Paul, when writing Romans 4, says, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He's talking about Abraham. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So yeah, they may have lived longer, but like this was not to be expected. And you're sitting there, that little laughter, I kind of imagine that's Abraham going, really? Really, God? Is that going to happen? The possibility that at 99 years of age, Abraham would father a child with his 89-year-old wife it really was a little bit much for Abraham to get his head around. And so he fell face down. I still believe in reverence and awe, but at the same time he laughed a little bit because it was kind of a little bit laughable. And yet in that passage in Romans 4, Paul continues, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And that's why it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. You see, faith is not always seen in our first reaction. Abraham's first reaction was to laugh. But his faith wasn't seen, or his lack of faith wasn't seen in his first reaction. It was seen in what followed on from that moment. So when you hear God say something to you, when you feel God stirring something in you, it's okay to laugh. Say, really? You think I can do that? Or, oh man, I can't do that. And you want to be like Jonah and run in the opposite direction. But your faith is not revealed in your first reaction. Your faith is revealed when you stop. And as I put in the chapel chat this week, when you take captive every thought and you make it obedient to Christ and you choose to do what you know God requires of you, even though you're still kind of laughing inside. And so Abraham continues to wrestle with this promise of God and this covenant promise. How would it be fulfilled? And so Abraham says, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And God says, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. My covenant will be established with Isaac when Sarah will bear you a son by this time next year. Sure, I will bless Ishmael, but my word, my promise, will still stand. Within a year, Sarah will give birth to a son, and you will call him, he will laugh. Because that's what Isaac means. He will laugh. Clearly, God was not offended by Abraham's laughing, but he wasn't going to let him forget it. Every day, until the day Abraham died, he's going, that's my son. And I laughed in the face of God 
when he told me that's what it was going to be. When we remember who we were, and when we see God's faithfulness, and when we remember all that he has done, in spite of our weakness and our failure, it does grow and strengthen our faith. When we stop and look back through the years, when we find ourselves on the day, as Andy's reminded us, where you cannot see the sun, and you kind of forget that it's there, we stop and we look back, and we remember the goodness of God. And so God declares, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking, God went up, and on that very day, every male in his household was circumcised. The call, the promise, but the promise, sorry, the call and the covenant continues to unfold. What about God's call on your life? What about those promises we've been talking about? I talk about the fact that I, when I talk about going into the promised land, I talk about going into the land of promise. All the things that God has promised you that he wants you to learn to walk in. Maybe they're general promises that are given in scripture. Maybe they're specific callings and promises that God has given you in your life. What can we learn from Abraham? I know for me, in 1967, as a seven-year-old boy, I invited Jesus into my life. Now, I wouldn't use that language anymore, but as a seven-year-old boy, I kind of understood that much. And God understood that I was a seven-year-old boy, and he understood what I was saying. Like Abraham, the life of the journey since then it had many ups and downs and certainly lots of failings, lots of weakness. And yet he has kept calling me and drawing me back. At the age of 17, I felt the call to become a pastor. Within the Salvation Army, so you become a Salvation Army officer. And there tends to be kind of two directions you can go. One is you could become a pastor in a local church, or you could end up running at one of the social institutions. And my mum, many of you know my mum, said to me, obviously you're going to be working in one of those social institutions, you'll never be a pastor, because you'll never be a preacher. You speak too fast, and you have a terrible lisp, so you'll never be a preacher. She wasn't being negative. She was doing an Abraham, and she was kind of laughing at the possibility that her son, who talked 90 to the dozen, I still talk too fast, and who has this terrible lisp, which I still have, which people tell me they don't notice sometimes, and others probably do. But she was kind of laughing in a nice way at the thought of her son being a preacher. That's changed a little bit over the years. Never say never to God when he calls. Never say that's too much. In fact, one of the things I've heard over the years is, if it doesn't seem too much, maybe it's not what God's calling you to. See, God wants to call you and is calling you to things that you can't possibly do on your own. So that was at 17, and at 27, I finally began training as a Salvation Army officer. And at 41, 
I resigned from the Salvation Army. And when I resigned, as I walked out of the doors of the building up on Don Buck Road, I kind of, something inside of me felt like I was walking away from God's call on my life. And yet I felt I had little choice. I was later to discover that God was actually allowing me to walk forward into a greater dimension of his call on my life. Even this week, Margaret and I have talked again about how different, how much more limited our lives would have been if we had stayed where we thought was a good place. The 17-year-old me could never have imagined what would continue to unfold. However, I have been privileged to see God at work in many parts of the world that I would never have imagined I would visit. I've met many people who have left me humbled, wonderful men and women of God. In the chapel chat a couple of weeks ago, I showed some of the pictures from Egypt. One of those uh, going into underneath one of the um, pyramids. As we got down into the base of it, the lights went out. And so it was absolutely pitch black. And this woman standing next to me was praying as fast as she could. But this is a woman who was spending her days, spending her life planting churches in Sudan. And to spend time in the presence of people like that, what I call the modern heroes of the faith, it's been an incredible privilege. There have been many times when I thought maybe God had finished with me. But now I am increasingly convinced that he was just getting started. God has allowed me to meet so many amazing people and along the way I've seen that God has used every step to break up the soil of my heart, the soil of my life, so he could plant something new and fresh. What about you? Are you still living by the callings and promises of 30, 40 years ago? Five, ten years ago? Or are you still looking to God for something new and fresh for tomorrow? For every day that God gives us, there is something new and fresh. Do you look and do you listen every day for something new that God may be calling you and prompting you to? For the male descendants of Abraham, they will carry in their flesh the permanent reminder of God's covenant with Abraham. And with them, I wonder if I wonder if Abraham in this life ever fully understood what God would do as the centuries would unfold. I think he had some sense, but I don't, I don't begin to imagine he really grasped. Oh yeah, dust is the earth, stars in the sky, many nations, kings coming. It's like, I wonder if he fully grasped. And that God's plan and purposes would continue to unfold and their ultimate fulfilment would be in the coming of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says to those in Ephesus and to you and I, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We are heirs to the covenant. 
we often talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible. Sometimes we talk about the Old Covenant or the New Covenant. There is a sense in which it's actually still one covenant. It's just a continual unfolding of God's promise to Abraham and all who would follow. Gail reminded us last Sunday that our covenant was sealed with the body of Christ being broken and his blood being poured out. Abraham's covenant was made as these heifer, you remember a few weeks back, the heifer and the goat and the ram and the, the dove and the pigeon is the, the cut in half and set side by side and God creates this covenant as their blood is poured out and our covenant was set as the body of Christ was broken and his blood was poured out. And Abraham was given a sign of the covenant, the circumcision, to seal his covenant. And ours is sealed by the promised Holy Spirit in our flesh. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us as a seal. Take a moment to think of all that God has called you to. Maybe some things that you've walked away from. Maybe some things you've forgotten. Maybe those things you've just sort of said, I'll stick that on the shelf because that's just a bit much for me. Maybe those things that when God said, I want you to do this for me, you just laughed and said, find someone else. So I want to continue to use the words of Paul because my prayer is, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. If you don't think you can do it, great. But God in you, his Holy Spirit in you can. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Around the world today, hundreds of millions of believers will remember today as Pentecost Sunday, the day in which the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. Not just on 120 believers on the upper room, but for everybody who would accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Maybe today could or should be the day in which you could look back on and remember as the day that you actually opened your heart and your mind, your life, to a fresh work of the Holy Spirit. I look around some who have been here for many years and God has done many things through you. But if God wants to do something fresh, may today be the day that you go, this is when I open my heart and my mind to his Holy Spirit. Those things that you thought a little bit outside of your reality. And so again, I continue with Paul's words. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So when you get up tomorrow morning 
And you look in the mirror, you're reminded of what Bill said before, that his spirit is within that temple. That is the mark of the covenant. That is the seal of the covenant. You have God himself living within you. That changes the way you will spend each day. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Don't limit what God wants to do. That was one of the things listening to Rebecca when I was at Minicas the other day. She has, over the last few months, had this growing dissatisfaction with how we do church. Going, There's got to be more to it than that. We've settled for a model of church and a style of church which is often so comfortable. But God didn't send his Holy Spirit and place his Holy Spirit within you so that we can be comfortable. Yes, come all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Then he says, and take my yoke upon you. I have something for you to do. A yoke isn't a, isn't a hammock where you can lie down and rest. A yoke is thing, something to allow you to work, but it's made for you, it's created for you, and you share it. A yoke is shared between two oxen. Well, this is a yoke that you share with God, the Holy Spirit who is within you. And therefore nothing would be impossible that he calls you to do. And so now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, that is, in each one of you, because we are the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.